What is going on, everybody? We're back. I know you missed us. Uh, the call-in show. We were going to call it the post-game overreaction show, off-season edition. I don't know what we're going to call it. It's the UGA Sports call-in show. I'm Paul Meharry, joined alongside Jason Butt and Ben Bachman of UGASports.com. If you're wondering, whoa, this just popped up on my timeline. Nobody tweeted this out. We wanted it that way. It's like underground, you know? You got you to gotta have our notifications on to get in here. Uh, with the cool kids we'll promote it a little later on down the road but this is kind of a test run with the new crew here uh jason butt and ben both of you guys are up in washington yeah no yeah right i'm oh, right outside uh, close. Yeah. yeah silver spring maryland right on the border you guys hang out yeah, that's, what I mean. that's less than an hour from me yeah. yeah yeah you guys hang out all the time so um good to see you guys on the show together you know uh but no guys we're going to be talking about uga sports and then also other stuff as well, kind of, uh, you know, might throw some Braves talk in there. Whatever you guys want to talk about, you in the comments, let us know what you want to discuss. Um, basically, we'll start it off kind of in a overall deep dive. We haven't done a post-game overreaction show or a call-in show or anything since the national championship game. So, Jason, I'll start with you. You do a daily recap every day. What is the kind of excitement or is there still excitement around the program for folks that you know have kind of tuned away for a little while and they're jumping back into it now it's it's funny I, th- I think just judging by kind of kind of what you see out there uh, specifically on social media from the vocal it's probably a vocal minority honestly uh who are actively participating uh still still excitement but a lot of uh anticipation for next year um, there are people I know uh, who, who, I've, who I talk to regularly, just just alum, alums, grads like myself, who, uh, you know, they're, they're a little concerned maybe about the defense. I think that doesn't go away as a Georgia fan. My wife, who's a Georgia grad as well, she's already uh, kind of nervous about next season. And I'm just like, you, you can enjoy this for a little longer. I, I think maybe yeah. that, just, that just comes with the territory of being a Georgia fan. But uh, at the same time, like, you this is something that hasn't happened in you know since 1980 and uh i think there's a lot of people still excited but now that the page has turned kirby smart's even said as much you know last season's last season it's time to move forward they have holes to fill on especially on that defensive side of the football so uh it's time to see what they can they can do when when it comes to regrouping and and replenishing and and getting back to uh you know the college football playoff and making this a a routine thing instead of a once in a lifetime sort of thing Speaking of defensive side of the football, Ben, the NFL Combine just happened and the dogs blew it up. It felt like every Dominant. day, uh, you know, and, you know, f- what was your biggest takeaway from that? Kind of like what Jason said, you know, it, it feels like Georgia lost everybody on defense, but there's still a lot of guys coming back. Yeah, I, I can name like five guys off the top of my head who are still really good starters who will be back on that defense. But I looked at the combine and I thought Channing Tindall, nobody's talking about his combine, which is weird to me. When he ran in the mid four fours at that size, and I think he had the best vert in the entire combine. Like he had like over 42 inches. That's absurd for an inside linebacker. And I just looked and I saw like almost every Georgia defender minus, I think, Darian Kendrick, because he didn't work out, basically jumped up like – around or if they're in the first round they jumped up a number of picks it, that's as absurd as i've ever seen from one team at a combine and you just saw every day after day one the announcers all they kept talking about was georgia like every five seconds like that's recruiting material for for kirby now that he has these weekends to bring kids in i mean he'll just play videos of that the whole time and say oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's all you need that's is, is rich eisen. you need to see rich eisen you yeah. know commentary for those three days or four days they're at the combine because that's all that they were talking about i watched most of it and it seemed like every time somebody came up for Georgia, it was like, there's another guy. We haven't talked about this guy yet. Well, what does he bring to the table? And they dive into him. Uh, you know, I, I think this draft, it's going to be one of those where Georgia fans are going to be upset at the fact that, yeah, all these dogs are leaving. But at the same time, they have the potential. They have the potential to, you know, I don't know, get 14 guys drafted. You know, it seems a little crazy to me. All 14 at the combine will get picked. I think Carmada is going to get picked too, Jake, because I looked – I mean, special teams guys are now getting picked late more the last couple years, and he can punt it over 70. I feel like he has a chance to do that. So 
he might get to, if he gets taken as late round pick, that's at least 14. And then the two wild cards are Fitzpatrick and Adam Anderson gets cleared of his situation. He'll get picked. And I believe the record is 14. So if Georgia finds a way to hit 15, they break the draft record. I think. Yeah. yeah one thing you mentioned Kamara, like I look at the Falcons a couple of years ago, taking Sterling Hoffrichter who had no business being taken as a late <laughs> rounder. And, uh, no disrespect to him. It's just the reality of the situation. And uh, so if there's teams actually doing their due diligence like you think they do, and, and NF, the NFL is so funny, like uh, they, they really don't know much about special teams. Jake Kamara is a, a phenomenal punter, and so I, I do think he has a great chance of being selected. And so, yeah, like you said, Ben, uh, they have a great chance of hitting that, at least hitting 13, I think, with, with his selection if, 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 they, if a team decides to take him in the sixth or seventh round. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting. I, I know I was I was trying to read the numbers. I don't think Fitzpatrick is going to try the NFL, so he was the only one that I could think that could push Georgia over that fourteen number and get them to fifteen. Julian Rochester, but I, I, his numbers didn't didn't show up, and he's a little bit older. Uh, but good to see Rochester, you know, play in the twenty twenty one championship game, the 2020, uh, 2017, and the nineteen eighty. So congratulations. <laughs> Julian Rochester, you know, playing in three of those games is pretty special. We've got a couple of people saying no audio, but I hear audio on my end, guys. So if you can hear your audio, give us a thumbs up uh, or put a comment in, let us know. And also you can join us, the conversation. Uh, we have another space next to Ben. We could pop somebody in. Well, we could pop up to 10 people in here, uh, but we can pop in somebody next to Ben. We can even take Ben off the show completely if we have enough people. That's the main goal, folks. So if you could join the conversation link in your YouTube uh app it's underneath the little uh, description there click that and it'll bring you into the session it won't bring you in right away we'll bring you in uh once you get into our waiting room here we want to talk to you guys uh, and just get the party going a little bit this is a little different than the podcast with jim donnan they're really serious over there uh and also the rumors versus facts recruiting where it's all about recruiting this is more of just an overall overview of georgia sports you see jason drinking some kentucky what is that hillbilly gold hillbilly, it's actually a maryland beer oh uh, mm-hmm. yeah checker spot brewing um it's a, it's pretty good it's a nice little pilsner there you go there you go a little pilsner uh yeah. moving forward georgia basketball as we watch march madness unfold before our eyes and teams moving on to the sweet 16 today couple more teams moving that way uh you know later on tonight george basketball obviously nowhere to be found their one sec victory was against alabama who made the tournament <laughs> somehow uh but uh, they're out i think already right or do they still play they're, no, they're out they're out oh, yeah they eliminated first round yeah so anyways uh georgia brings in mike white from florida and for whatever reason i want to kind of deep dive into this I saw on a lot of social medias, whether it was former players in basketball. I mean, Contavious Caldwell Pope got in on it. Uh, I can't think of the last time he tweeted anything Georgia basketball related. Uh, And they all tweeted for Jonah Hayes to come home. I don't know if that was actually Jonas reaching out to those guys, but maybe his agent, something. It just felt it didn't feel unique. It felt almost forced, if that makes sense. And, And no offense to him. But now it's left this sour taste in Georgia fans' mouths where Georgia brought in Mike White and didn't get Jonas where everybody wanted him back. There's still a possibility he could come back as an assistant. You know, mm-hmm. Mike White hasn't built his full staff yet. It seemed like Xavier's uh, going down the dumpster fire drain uh, as well right next to Georgia. But this hire was a good hire in my opinion, but it's been overshadowed to me. Ben, you know, anything? Well, I think he's only missed the tournament once because the COVID year, I, he would have made the tournament. So I don't count that. Um, yeah. So you look at that and you say, well, he's made the tournament every year but one time at Florida. Before that, when he was at, I believe, Louisiana Tech, they were winning 20-plus games and doing really well. He signed multiple top 50 recruits before. I think almost every year he usually had one or two. Georgia rarely ever has any. So I think He's got a five-star committed uh, or signed right now to their class. Yeah, for- I mean, Georgia, I mean, over – I got to think KCP and Anthony Edwards over the last 14 years might be the only two five stars I've ever signed. So that just goes to show that if he can recruit Georgia really well, that they could be a really talented team because that's the issue. The previous Georgia head coaches, even though they've been bad X's and O's guys, they never have the talent and the talent is sitting in the state. 
And that's the embarrassing part of it. If he recruits the state, that can overcome some of the coaching deficiencies people worry about. So that's the number one thing is he'll have the resources because I guarantee as much as some people say he wanted to leave Florida, he definitely came to Georgia with the knowledge of I'm going to get the resources here to recruit and, and win. So if he comes here and gets Jonas Hayes, and that's why I always say the assistant coaches in college are big for recruiting. You get guys like Jonas Hayes to come. You can recruit the AAU circuit around Atlanta really well. And I think he'll have the talent need. And I think Georgia, if Georgia's at least a tournament team, like if Georgia's a seven or eight seed with some excited players, yeah. that's all Georgia fans want. Like someone said he's the Mark Rick to coaches. If Georgia fans saw a Mark Rick to basketball coaches, they take it. They say, oh, round of 32. Yeah. I love that. So I don't understand the complaints in that regard. You have a very high floor with Mike White. I think for some fans who who either wanted the up-and-coming assistant or or up-and-coming mid-major or the flashy big-name coach, you're you're probably not happy with Mike White because Mike White, as Ben said, uh, he's had one Elite Eight, but the rest of the times his other three tournament appearances with Florida were round of 32 exits. If you're at Georgia, you, you, you're, you've missed that for so long. You haven't had – a tournament win since Jim Herrick, and that's been vacated. So you're <laughs> desperate to just get into the tournament on a consistent basis. Mike White can recruit. He's uh, proven that. He's uh, he's somebody, if he makes it a, a presence and he's he's just even remotely relatable, the, the criticisms I will have, the main criticism I have with Tom Crean is this guy cannot relate to anybody in the Southeast. And no. uh, culturally, it was such a bad fit, but we didn't know it at the time. I mean, on paper, it was a, slam dunk higher and then as it unfolded just completely a, a cultural misfit uh mark fox uh could not bring in the high level uh talent year after year he brought in some good guys and he brought in some overachievers but not not guys who can consistently get you to the tournament every year mike white can do that uh he hasn't proven he can he can win big yet but i i don't think necessarily that's yeah. a uh, that should be a something you slam him for he, he what he's done at Florida, he replaced billy donovan so i get why florida fans are frustrated they're, they they're not achieving the success that they once had you bring you look at georgia and they would just love to be able to be in the conversation in march and they haven't been in almost two decades now so in that respect i think it's a pretty good hire yeah there's there's no question in my mind that if mike white was to able like ben and you said able to replicate his success that he had at florida and do it at Georgia, even if he lost in the first round. And the, they're in the tournament. Like, it, that's not even been a thing that we've talked about for Georgia basketball in so long. I mean, it's been, like you said, Jason, years since the last time that we even thought that was going to be a remote possibility. It took a tornado for Georgia to win the SEC championship, uh, you know, back in 2000, I want to say eight. But, yeah, eight. you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, I think people need to buy into Mike White. And I'm not telling people yes or no, but go look at his track record. And I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter commenting, Florida fans commenting, saying, you know, thank goodness they took him away. We can go get somebody else. Well, they, they just went and got an up-and-coming coach from San Francisco. Yeah. You know, and Georgia could have gone that way. But they decided to go with the guy that had already been in the league, show that he could do what he can do, Yes, this guy from San Francisco might be the next hot thing, but Florida is also taking a chance on that, whereas Georgia's taking a chance on a guy who knows the league and knows how to play in this league, knows how to recruit in this league. It's going to be key, I think, moving forward for the, the hoop dogs and their success. I, I don't think you can go any further down than where they're at now, one win in the SEC. Oh, no, I mean, you can't. I don't know how they beat Memphis, honestly. I mean, you yeah. talk about six, six wins all year, and one of them was against a team that took Gonzaga to the to, almost to the wire last night. Six wins Crazy. all year, and two of them were uh, against teams that made the tournament. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just kind of interesting. But switching gears uh, – well, before we switch off basketball, what's your brackets looking like? Because mine is hot garbage. Well, Wisconsin right now is down five with three to go, and I have them in the final four, so that's mm. not good. Um, I have UCLA taking the whole thing over Arizona, so I'm going all West Coast here. Wow. Really? So the, I've been the one who's been critical saying the West Coast, like the Colin Cowards of the world talking about USC, I don't think they can come back and all that. I, I'm – I'll, I'll get into it maybe some other time. Sure, but sure. I've been really harsh on the Pac-12 and the West Coast, but I'm buying them in basketball this year, so I'm buying all that stock. What's your uh, what's yours looking like, Jason? Yeah, not great. This is actually one of the worst years I've had in a long time. 
Uh, I still, I mean, I, and I was boring. I picked Gonzaga to win it all. I'm just, uh, I'm waiting for them to do it. I, this is their best team they've ever had, in my opinion. And but uh, even so, I mean, you, you just never know. I mean, they, 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 they looked vulnerable last night against Memphis. Memphis is super athletic, but you know, in the second half they were able to pull away, and um, they showed why they're the, the best team. Why, you know, but still, I'm, I'm expecting them to. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like I said, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, um. I had Iowa going far. And so that, that was dumb. I don't know why I bought it. I had, I had Kentucky in my final four. I don't know yeah. why I did that. Uh, yeah, Kentucky I, makes I, sense. I mean, Iowa, Iowa does the same thing every year. And for some reason, yes. I, I just – their team I, – I love the way their team played. And then, of course, as they're, you know, in, in the first round losing, I'm just like, why do I do this to myself every year? I'm losing <laughs> to Richmond, yeah. I, so. I take Purdue every year, and this year I'm just I'm just not taking them. I'm like I've yeah. had enough, and you know, <laughs> right. far. yeah. See, see I, I picked Villanova to win, so I still have my winner, okay. and then I have them playing Texas Tech. So okay. you know, if 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 the stars align, right now I'm almost dead last in a bracket I won last year uh, with over 50 people in it. I'm dead last right now, but possible points remaining. Your boy is in it still, and okay. I've got different teams and everybody. So. Just saying, there's a chance. There's a chance. And also a chance for you guys to give us a call. Uh, you can go into the description of the YouTube channel and pop up your face. If you don't want to pop up your face, you just want to talk with us, you can talk with us that way as well. Or you can also do it in the comments. Comment section is kind of quiet tonight. David Williams says, go dogs. What's up, fellas? Keep doing a great job covering them dogs. We appreciate it, David. Put some comments in. Let us know what's going on. In your world, I know it's been a slow time, but guess what? Georgia football is right around the corner. April 16th is G-Day and switching back over to football because you know what? There's no reason on a show like this to have any type of uh, rundown. We're just going to keep jumping back and forth. It doesn't matter. Uh, Back to football. The spring game's on its way, and Stetson Bennett is the starting quarterback for the University of Georgia once again. He's got a little bit of competition behind him. It seems like it's always around this time of the year that you start hearing about those backup quarterbacks, man, and how great they really, truly are. Uh, Carson Beck got the shout-out from George Pickens on uh, Pro Day where he said he likes how fast he throws the ball. You're hearing reports of how good Brock Vandegrift's coming along and Gunnar Stockton and – but at the same time, this is Stetson Bennett's team. What's going to be the biggest difference on – I'll ask you defense first, Jason, or I'll ask you defense second. Ben, what's the biggest difference on offense that Georgia fans will be looking forward to in the spring game as opposed to last year? I'm going to say this. Um, I think this will be as good of an offensive line Georgia's ever had. I really believe that. I think this offense – because you think about it, George Pickens was not in the offense last year. I think the one thing we haven't talked about much is transfers. I think they're going to get a transfer receiver because we haven't. And that's the odd thing. I remember last year, right after the season was over, they're like, who are, who's Georgia getting a DB? Who's Georgia getting here? Because there were holes this year. I've noticed, you know, the fans don't really care about it because they're so high about the championship that people aren't asking about the transfers. Eventually, Georgia's going to get some transfers in here, and I'm interested to see what's the pecking order. Arik Gilbert, he's probably the biggest story. Is he a receiver? Is he a tight end? How is he looking? So I think if you have a healthy Gilbert playing, you have Washington, you have Bowers, you have Delp. I mean, that tight end room is what they could do. I've never seen anything like that. And then receiver, I'm interested to see Arian Smith, A.D. Mitchell, guys like that. I think this could be a either as good or better offense next year. Defense, that's another question, though. Really? You you think you think yeah. this offense really minus James Cook? What, what are you really? And I understand Zamir White, but minus James Cook, what are you really missing? Think about because George Pickens didn't play last year. What, what are you really losing in terms of offense? Because uh, I, I think, think on the O line they're going to. Broderick Jones looked great against Bama. He was the highest graded sure. player. Sure. And I remember Mary Smims could get in there potentially in the lineup. And then if you throw McClendon, a healthy Tate Ratledge, and uh, Van Prant, that's a loaded offensive line. And I think Milton could take over for Zeus very easily. The only thing you cannot reciprocate is how important James Cook was. I think outside of James Cook, your, your offense isn't really going to be missing that much comparative to last I, year. I think uh, J- Jermaine Burton could be a big loss. You're going to have to get – you're going to have to. And we, we've talked about this a good bit. 
you're going to have to get a transfer wide receiver. And I think that can come on and step up for you immediately because you have guys. Sure. It's kind of like in baseball where a guy's been on the DL for so long, you're looking forward to him coming back and Dom Blaylock and Arian Smith, but you, you don't know what you're going to get with Dom. You don't know really what you're going to get with Arian. If those two guys can show up in spring ball, maybe you don't need that transfer wide receiver, but at the same token, if those guys still kind of have those nagging injuries, well, guess what? I mean, you're looking a little thin at wide receiver. Yes, Kyrus Jackson's back. Yeah, you have A.B. Mitchell, Lad McConkey. After that, guys, I'm looking at the depth chart. Rosemary Jackson's coming off of uh, an injury as well. You you hope Gilbert plays that wide receiver position, but they've had, they have Bowers and Darnell Washington both out with injuries this spring. Are, are they going to work Gilbert in at tight end a little bit? That's where my area of concern is, Jason. We can keep talking about offense if you want. Let's go. Yeah, but I'm not concerned. As long as Brock Bowers is ready for the the actual football season, I'm not worried at this point if he misses the spring. I mean, he's proven – he proved to me he was – and I'm not just saying this because I follow Georgia and cover Georgia. He proved to me that he was the best tight end in football last year. And he's, he's essentially a, a receiver who can also perform tight end duties. So he's – to me, he's your number one option in you know in this offense. So you know how they shape out the, the receiving position is I don't want to say irrelevant, but it's secondary because as long as you have a healthy Brock Bowers by actual football season, which he should be, you know it's a, a shoulder injury, a labrum, so it's it's not like his timetable is uh, going to stretch out into August and September. Then you're fine. You have your number one option coming back. He can do everything. He he, he can. He can win man coverage deep. He goes over the middle. He can line up at all the positions. I'm not as worried in the passing game as maybe somebody else is just because of people focusing maybe on the traditional receiver position, not having a George Pickens. But I think A.D. Mitchell, for that matter, when you are talking about receiver, I think he is a a quality uh, option, a uh, possession guy who, who can also – he showed in the championship. He, he can – he can make he a, dropped a, a lot of catches. passes last year, but sure. yeah. he's he's also young freshman. But I mean, True. True. I go I I just go back to to uh, I'm not compare. I mean, I, I like to jokingly compare Brock Bowers to Rob Gronkowski on Twitter. I mean, it's kind of it, it's kind of close. Well, it, yeah, but I mean, yeah. like you, you're talking about the greatest, you know, top two. I'm not I'm not gonna say he's better than Tony Gonzalez. Brock's more athletic. Yeah, top, he's probably more athletic. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you know, Not as big and physical, but more athletic. One of the top two, yeah. One of the top two tight ends in, in the game. I, I just mean in terms of like being able to play the, being able to be a receiver and, and having those mismatches against corners, and then he can go, um, you know, and do the regular tight end duties too. I'm, I'm just not as concerned in the passing game. Stetson Bennett loves him, so I mean, he's the guy in that offense. He's the number one option in that offense moving forward. If you have him and he's healthy. Uh, I think as, as far as Georgia's concerned, you're good to go. The one guy I'll mention also to Ben's point about losing James Cook is Kenny McIntosh. I think Kenny McIntosh steps into that role. Uh, you know, I did a story a while back on him talking to his high school coach, and that's really he did a lot of that back then. Uh, he just kind of happened to work in behind uh, Cook as the as the passing option uh, as a running back in the in this offense. I think he'll do a lot more of that, being uh, somebody who can split out catch passes. Um, and, and be a more versatile to option, K- kind of being that 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 uh, uh, you know, you got you got one A with Kendall Milton, one B with Kenny McIntosh. I think those guys will complement each other really well in this offense. So I'm with Here's Ben. The- I really don't see much of a drop off. Uh, okay, but here uh, now we're gonna flip it a little bit. Here's the thing: yeah. Georgia's defense last year yeah. helped out this yeah. offense tremendously. Can we agree with that? True. Yes, yeah, that's true. So now you're going to have to rely on Stetson a little bit more. You're going to have to rely on this offense maybe to have to put up more points than other teams. They're, they're not going to be able to just stop playing at halftime and then run the football. Paul, you know, but here, so. here's the thing. Stetson will either advocate, look ben. better or he'll get benched and Georgia fans will get what they want and they got a title out of him. So either way, it's good when, when you look at it from that perspective. Okay? <laughs> it's, seriously. So – but you, 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 you think he plays bad? You think he? You think there's a? You think there's a, a world where Setson Pennant plays bad enough to where he gets benched after winning the championship? I just don't see it. I mean, if he's that bad, yeah, he's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they would have to make a change because you also look like how how bad is great. bad? How bad is bad? I mean, if they're struggling to beat other teams on their schedule this year, a hundred percent, they should be able to still win every game on the regular season schedule. That's Oregon's are probably their toughest game. And it's week one, and Oregon has to travel cross country to Atlanta. 
Like that's how easy their schedule should be. And if Stetson struggles with that and you have a guy like Brock Vandergriff, if they think he's that good and they're like, okay, Stetson's struggling, they'll throw him in. Like you have to, because at that point, Stetson's only going to be here one more year and he doesn't have an NFL future. It's not like, and they already got a championship out of him. So I, I think if he's that bad, they'll make a change. Now, if he's average, yeah, they'll probably keep him in more. But if he's throwing like two, if he looks like he did against Florida this year, they'll pull him. I 100% think they would. If they felt like he would jeopardize their chance of winning a title. Because the defense this year, I think, is going to be obviously a little bit worse, at least early in the year. Because you look at inside linebacker. I think over the course of the year, they're going to get a lot better there as well as off the edge. Um, I think Nolan Smith over the course of the season this past year got better and better. So I think over the course of the year, they're going to get a lot better on defense, but it's really about the first six games for me, because I think by the second half of the year, they're still going to have a top five defense first half of the year. I don't think so. So that's the big thing. Cause I said, they have five really good proven starters come back. Chris Smith, Ty Key, if he's healthy, uh, Ringo Carter and Nolan. And then if you want to throw Robert Beal in there, you can throw him in there. So that's really good that I think a lot of people act like there's like all the starters are gone. There's still five or six that are still there and they have a lot of talented kids that are going to be coming in and potentially they have three spots they could take for transfers if they want. So if they want to add depth, they can do that. So I think the defense will still be good. It'll just nowhere near be as elite and will struggle early, but by the second half of the year, it'd be good. Here, here's my question to you, uh, Jason is, you're losing Trayvon Walker. You're losing losing Jordan Davis. You're losing Devontae Wyatt, who I don't think Wyatt got near as much credit as he should have. And now he, he will, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter. He's about to get millions of dollars. So, you know, he's he's cool. Uh, but you're bringing back Jalen Carter, who which is weird, right? Everybody has said this. I think Rich Eisen said it. They'd said it on the pro day. They were like, the best – Georgia lineman is still in Athens, Jalen Carter, you know, and, and very well could be guys, a beast. Uh, then you're looking at Tramel Walther and Zion Logue and Walther. If you go by PFF grades, which we put that up on the site every week, um, did not grade out good at all throughout this whole entire, this whole entire year. I think he was one of the, the worst uh, graded out players uh, this in this entire uh, defense. And then you have guys coming out like Van Pran this past week talking about Zion Logue being a mixture of who do you say he's a mixture of Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker or Devonte? He said something. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa. But that's what you're coming back with. Besides those guys, you, you really got to prove me class in uh, Zion, Nazir, Warren Brinson and Bill Norton. And you're going to have – those are all guys who got some play last year, but now they're your top guys on defensive line. That's my concern, defensive line. Yeah, I mean, but I think that the fact you have Jalen Carter coming back, that's that's huge. And, I mean, people were talking about that as early as the first few weeks of the season, that Jalen Carter might actually be the, the better of the defensive linemen on this roster, even though he wasn't even eligible to, to enter the draft. So you you have you have him back. I think this is a great opportunity for some of these freshmen. Uh, you know it, when you have um, you know Walker going uh, you know go, going to the draft. I think Michael Williams uh, he's a guy that you you could maybe see step up uh, early on in his career. I, I, I think I, I'm with you just depth wise. Last year you knew you could you could have guys come in and 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 fill the void when needed, have rotational opportunities because you also this. This uh, coaching staff likes to rotate guys in and out. I mean, they love to rotate. On they the love. I mean, you know, Jordan Davis, for instance. You know, he he's. Uh, I want to say every week when I would check the the PFF uh, grades or the snap counts, I should say. Every every time I checked, you know, you're looking at like 40, 50 percent snaps per game, and yeah, a lot of it had to do with they they had blowouts. You take them out, all that. But um, yeah, you, you just see you see the the rotational numbers. You, I wonder if they're going to be able to do that this year, um, just due to sheer bodies. Um, but I still like the talent. Um, you know, uh, Oregon will be a good test. Uh, they run, they'll run. Um, I, even with Dan Lanning, you expect them to run that up tempo style. I'll, I'll be interested to see, um, you know, c- kind of how they they shift their identity. But you know, traditionally, obviously, high octane offense. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Georgia rotates that D line. But um, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about the the inside linebackers or linebackers that much. Ben, it's the D line for me. 
Are you cool with well, the D line as it, as it stands right now? The one guy who I'm oddly really high on is Nazir Stackhouse. I remember, and I know it was the UAB like game, but he looked really good there. And I think he can be the nose tackle. Nowhere, like I'm not expecting anyone to be Jordan Davis or anyone like that. Like Jalen Carter, I expect to be better than all those guys because I already think as a talent he is. And I think that's universally um, a known take. But when you look at, I think Zion Logue and Nazir Stackhouse would be the guys to play the most if you had to ask me early because they've gotten the snaps and they've looked the best rotating among the unproven guys. And then I think Michael Williams, if he's playing Trayvon Walker's role, I don't know if he's an outside linebacker who's going to play Trayvon Walker's role. If he plays what Trayvon did, he can flash early. I mean, he's already getting buzz in the spring and he dominated the, uh, I think yeah. it was the army game. Like nobody yeah. blocked him. So you have him. Marvin Jones is like the best edge rusher. You, you get a guy like him. I mean, that's big. And I think Kristen Miller, nobody wants to talk about. I think he could be, the next like Devonte Wyatt for Georgia in the long term, not next year, but and Bear Alexander, they signed him, so they signed a really good trio there. They're going to be freshmen, but I think over time they're going to play a lot. So I think this year it's going to be about guys like Logan Stackhouse. But I think long term they already have their D linemen to set the next stage. So that's a good thing. What about the defensive backs? We haven't talked a lot about those guys with Kendrick and uh, Lewis both leaving for the draft. Hopefully Kendrick – I think Kendrick will get drafted, I think. Drafted, yes. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll go as high as we thought. His numbers weren't that great. But uh, Lewis is a guy that really made a mark. He's moved up to, I think, first round in some mock drafts. He, he might be one of the top safeties taken off the board. But coming back, as it stands right now, Christopher Smith, uh, which I think is a good move for him. I don't, think if he, I don't think Chris gets drafted this year. But if he has another pretty decent year – I think he does maybe move into that conversation of a, a draftable player. So good for him. Uh, you also obviously have Ringo coming back as your starting corner. And then opposite of him, that's where it gets a little dicey. You have Dan Jackson back. Uh, he'll be back. <laughs> uh, and then you, and then you have uh, William Poole as well. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody though. Why am I forgetting somebody uh, at corner? Tyke Smith. Tyke Smith. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's the thing. I think Tyke Smith, if, if he's able to play star, maybe you move William Poole to safety and then Dan Jackson's your 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 backup again. I don't know if you want to go into the year with, you know, Dan Jackson as a starting safety. I think I would assume we can all agree, you know, God bless the kid, but uh that's just kind of the situation. I, I still remember in that spring game when uh Darnell ran over him and I was like, Dear God, yeah. I hope that kid's all right. And it ended up being Dan <laughs> oh, Jackson. And yeah. and he ended up playing. I mean, he's got a billboard. I live in Flowery Branch, right? And he's from what he's from Hall County. He's got a mm-hmm. billboard right from my favorite taco joint up the road, man. I mean, he's, hey, he's good for him. Thing. Get yeah. that NIL money, yeah. Well, David yeah. Daniel. Nobody's talking about David Daniel. Dude, yeah. every time he's on the field, I just feel like he just I saw him, I think it was the Vanderbilt game and some other game. He just hits so damn hard. Michael Rowan says, Dirty so I'm interested to see if he gets in there at safety and then corner. I mean, Georgia's really young, but they're loaded at corner. They're just really young yeah. and experienced. Not Nyland, Nyland Green is another corner that I'm interested to see this spring, how he comes along. There's been mixed reviews since he's been on campus. Uh, I thought his high school tape looked really, really good. It mm-hmm. seems like it hasn't translated that well over to the college level. Uh, but I still haven't – he's not on my write-off list yet. Uh, David Daniels, another one, I think, Ben. One that we should watch, Malachi Starks. Malachi Kamari Starks. Lassiter? Kamari Lasseter is a He plays a lot. Yeah, he's a silent but kind of violent uh, corner, if you will. Like, you don't talk about him a lot, but then you're like, whoa, he got in a good bit last year mm-hmm. uh, to be a true freshman. And normally that doesn't happen with Kirby, especially at, you know, corner. So – it. Kamari will be an interesting one. Uh, Javon Bullard's another one. But, you know, I think we've covered almost every position on the defensive side of the ball. With the amount of talent you're losing, you're losing three inside linebackers, you're losing three down linemen, and you're losing a safety and a corner to the draft. So that's eight guys on your defense going to the draft. I think they've done about about as good a job you can as restocking the pantry. The only concern for me, guys, and you know, I've talked about it, and we'll continue talking about it on these next couple of Sundays coming up as we get more practice reports and things of that nature, is the D-line. Who's going to be that guy that steps up next to Jalen Carter so he's not having to get d- double teams? Or are they going to do something different to where they start rushing edge guys a little bit more and you know, 
I don't know. That's my only concern. But again, you're coming off a national championship, and then next year, your your toughest game is against Oregon, and after that, it's it's pretty much a cakewalk to to go undefeated again. You almost have to beat yourself. So all these things can be worked out, I, I think, in my opinion. Hundred percent. Yeah. And they should be the more talented team than Oregon on week one, uh, even with the losses that they've sustained. So, um, we, got, uh, we got a question in here from David. Right. Says, Do you think Tresman Marshall will finally make the starting rotation? Rotation or starting? Because I don't think he's starting. Um, no, I, I don't think I he's think starting. Georgia, he, I really like Jalen Walker. And it, uh, I'm not going to lie, maybe I'm biased here because I've interviewed him. But, I mean, that's like a – he, you're going to see him on SEC media days. Like that's the guy who Kirby's going to send. That's like, like you know what you know what I I hate about you, Ben, is like <laughs> you take my lines because I say that all the time. Like this is SEC media days type of kid. Well, so, Roddy told me to say that, so you you got that from him. So, so did I. So it it, it doesn't matter here. Um, but I uh, think him and um, they signed what was it CJ Washington out of Nick Chubb's town? But was that yeah. Yeah, so and then they also got last year Sori and Munden and Dumas Johnson. So they're Dumas Johnson looked really good when he when he got in. Well, yeah, Munden. So yeah, they're young. As long as I think it's more about the playbook and like the busted coverages because they got the talent at inside linebacker. I'm not well, worried Tresman, about that. I mean, Leon Davis. If you remember, if you remember Tresman, Leon Davis too. Yeah, Tresman coming out of high school was really good. It's just he's been he's been plagued with injuries. You know, uh, another guy, Martin Arenado. What's up, man? Uh, he says not a lot of MJ Sherman talk. What's up with him? That is a that is a an interesting one. He's from your neck of the woods up there, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have not heard. I thought this guy was going to step on campus and be the next big time guy. I think he has a possibility at this point to kind of. Georgia doesn't like to just play two outside linebackers. They do like to have a rotation, and he wasn't getting in the rotation last year. He got in. I want to say at a couple games. I can look up his stats while you guys talk about him. Uh, but I think this is maybe the year MJ Sherman mm-hmm. shows up. I, he's another guy from spring practice that's going to have to kind of show the coaching staff. What's good for MJ, though, is he has a new position coach. New, He's fresh start, you know, so he can show out in front of that new that new coach. He's already doing well, I believe, in, in spring. And I know Good. people from that area. I'm actually kind of shocked they played him at edge right away, given his size. He's He was really good in high school at inside linebacker, which shocked me because there was a lot of his coaches out there thought he was inside linebacker long term. So that's one. when you look at a guy who's like 6'2", 6'3", 230, th- those types of guys, it's really hard to judge if they're an edge or if they have to play inside. Like, look at Quay Walker. Quay Walker looks like a prototypical edge guy, but he has the skill set to play inside, and that's where they put him. So he's one of those guys where it's kind of like there's a lot of tweeners, and 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 that's his issue to me. Like, that's also the big issue with Nolan Smith, where he was a number one recruit coming out, and he hasn't had the big production because he's a little bit smaller. If they move Nolan – and I think he is naturally a pass rusher, Nolan Smith, so I wouldn't put him as an inside linebacker. But if the NFL came calling and saying, hey, we need Nolan Smith to play there, he's good enough to play there and be drafted there because of his athleticism. So that's the thing with MJ is I don't know long-term if his position is truly where it's supposed to be. I, I don't I don't know that answer. As far as MJ, Jason, last year he played in 15 games. A lot of it was on special teams. Right. And then 2020 he also played in nine games. So he MJ will be a true junior this year. Uh, one of those – possible that he's going to have to nut up or shut up uh, if you will because it's your junior year you're coming out as a five-star this is the time to kind of start making your money i I would think yeah and if not uh, you wonder okay you know hypothetically speaking if he comes out of the spring and he's still where he is on the depth chart does he leave i mean if you're not if you're not getting the reps that that you want at this point i mean there's some guys i mean in recent memory, Nate McBride comes to mind, who who sticks it out all the way, you know. But I mean, th- those guys are far, you know rare at this point. If you're not getting the reps and you can't move up the depth chart, then then what you know what are you doing at this point? You have the the luxury of going wherever you want. So I think uh, MJ Sherman may fall into that camp when uh, it's all said and done. Um, if, if, if if it doesn't happen, if he doesn't have a good spring, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. If if he's one of those guys that we don't hear a lot about in the spring. You know, yeah, MJ could be one of those guys that, that ends up leaving. Uh, Davis, Ryan Davis, uh, could be another possibility yeah. there. 
you're going to have more attrition, guys. It's just you, you're going to have more attrition. Um, and there's a couple guys that you can go down this list and say, okay, yeah, this guy looks like it. Nah, maybe this guy. There's going to be some out there. Uh, Martin brings up another good point. Does Clay Webb get a chance as well with the new position coach? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see him in the picture with Stacy. How do you say it for the love of everything? How do you say this man's last name, Jason? Searles. Searles. Just Stacey. roll with that. Yeah, just Searles. roll with that. Searles. Searles. I don't know. When I read it, it does not read like that to me. But yeah, Paul, Paul, say, say Clemson's quarterback's last name. No, I'm not going there. I don't, <laughs> I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. It might be a competition up there. I mean, I people just call him ukulele at this point. It's like, damn, wanna, that's, that's definitely off. <laughs> you know, I don't want to assume. Makes the ass out of you and me. I don't want to do that. You, know, <laughs> you might have a quarterback battle up there, Ben. And, and who, who am I to say who their starter is? You know, um, as far as Clay Webb, I didn't see him in the picture with Stacey Searles unless he was maybe using the bathroom or something. He wasn't in the picture at the uh, Classic City Eats when he took uh, all the offensive linemen out to eat. Man, Clay Webb, to me, I, I will probably never see a more dominant lineman at camps, rivals camps. This dude was lights out, guys. And I, you, you, neither one of you saw him at camps. No, I, he never lost a rep. I mean, I watched every one of his reps. Roddy became infatuated with him because he read books, and Roddy likes to read. And they connected kind of nerded, <laughs> nerdily, uh, if you yeah, will, and did like a book club together. But uh, he never lost a rep. And I was like, this guy is going to be Georgia's starting center for three years. He's going to go to the draft, and then he's gone. He's going to graduate. We haven't heard anything from him. So I don't know about Clay Webb. He could be another one. And I, I hope for Webb's sake that he finds, if it's not at Georgia, he finds a place because he really does have talent. I think if you look at him, though, he's probably a little tiny compared to what Georgia's offensive line is now. Uh, so it might be why he's not seeing the field so much. And, uh, yeah, that, that's my take on Clay Webb. I wish him all the best. I hope that he can, you know, maybe shoot up the depth chart. But like Ben said, the offensive line uh, is completely stacked, and it seems to me that Clay Webb has been been passed over. Ooh, Mike Brown's upset, guys. He said, why are you leaving Chaz Chambliss? Why are you leaving him out in that linebacker room? Why aren't we talking about Chaz, Ben? This is your fault. Oh, damn. Chaz, Chaz Chambliss nearly murdered a man in that Michigan game. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He actually – and I think what – oh, it was one of the games. Coach Don and called his sack. I think it was Tennessee. I could be off on that. I think he got a sack in the Tennessee game. When he was in, he looked good. So I'm liking Chaz Chambliss. I, I think he might be a sleeper to get a decent amount of snaps this year. Like I said, guys, there's there are backups, Jason. They like to rotate those outside linebackers. And Chad's got to get in last year a good bit. 6'2", 250. Uh, I remember interviewing his coach doing a coach's corner, and he says a lunch pail kid literally yeah. brought a lunch pail to school and had like a thermos full of coffee. I believe so. In senior year. Yeah. So, you know, he might be a guy. Yeah, uh, and he's he, he looks the part of that classic overachiever type. Um, yeah. Who, you mentioned six three two fifty, but I think when you when maybe when you look at him, you're you're like, you know, is he? You know, does <laughs> right. he have what it takes? But but you know, some guys are they just have that 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 work ethic that they're able to do more at the college level than maybe what's expected of them. They have a chip on their shoulder, and I think Chaz Chambliss, the way he the way he plays with that motor, you see it on you saw it on special teams. I mean, he, he's yeah. all he was he was awesome on special teams, and, and you know, and he made the most of his reps last year, so. Uh, we'll see uh, how much uh, how much time he gets in the rotation this year. Uh, definitely be something to see. Uh, don't know how much he'll play. Don't know. Don't really think he'll be in that that you know for sure too deep uh, discussion. But you know we'll we'll see uh, the number of reps he gets as a rotational player for sure. Guys, we've got about I'd say 15 minutes left. That'll make us an hour show, and that'll be good enough for us to get paychecks this month. Um, so, Ben, Jason, what? Are you most looking forward to spring practice is about to get underway? Is there a position group you're looking at to see? Like, all right, this is the one I'm paying closest attention to. Is there one? And then on the other side, is there one that you're looking at that you're like, I don't care what comes out. I think I probably know your answer to this. It's probably tied in, but I don't care what comes out of this position group over spring ball. This group is fine. So either one of you go first. Uh, Jason, you got seniority, so maybe you go. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, you're right. Tight end. I do not care. I mean, I think it'd be cool 
to see um, you know, if Gilbert gets reps there, sure. I think it'll be good for some of those other guys. But, I mean, you know what you're getting with Brock Bowers. So I'm not worried whatsoever. I think I will be worried if somehow early on in, in August in camp he he suffers some sort of injury that, that knocks him out for games during the regular season. Uh, same with Washington. Uh, I, I'm just not worried at all whatsoever. So good there. We'll go back to secondary. I think cornerback, you know, opposite of Ringo. Uh, who will it be? Will it be uh, Kamari Lasseter? Will it be Nylon Green? Will it be one of those other guys we mentioned, Bullard? Will it be one of the freshmen, such as Singletary? I think you've got uh, so many guys at that position who can vie for a starting spot. So uh, I'll, I got a lot of uh, a lot of attention paid there. Uh, obviously, uh, the, the, the the freshmen that aren't coming in, um, you know, I, m- I mentioned one of them. They're, they won't be there in the spring, so you can't really <laughs> can't really see him play, but. I'll be interested to see uh, who can lock down one of those spots. And then I'll throw in, you know, inside linebacker too. I mean, hell, there's three, three guys are, uh, have to be replaced. <laughs> so so um, you look there, but I, I think I, I'm really interested in corner. Um, but now it looks like ben, yeah. oh there we go we've got Ben back it looked hey, like you were in, for a minute. yeah you look like you were in witness protection when you're by <laughs> your <laughs> there. Um, I saw that Johnny Ball game claiming I was his son and that just yeah uh, I mean, well I, I was gonna say number two quarterback and inside linebacker what's the rotation uh, I was say quarter or quarter no I said quarter quarterback who's the number two quarterback okay corner actually that's interesting too because there's a lot of good freshmen. Yeah, it's, I mean, you got three that are basically five stars coming in: Humphrey, uh, Singletary, and Everett. And then you have Nylon Green and Lasseter. Ballard played a decent bit, so that's interesting. And then inside linebacker, I'm just interested to see what's the pecking order because there's a lot. There, there's like five freshmen, sophomore inside linebackers that are good. And then you have the elder statesmen of Marshall and Davis. And then I, I'm interested, like everybody, the number two quarterback. Where there's going to be fans, that are going to be bitching about that, you know, every single day about Beck and Vandergriff and and even Gunner. So I'm I'm interested to see who steps up there um, to be the guy right behind Stetson. Uh, yeah, uh, mine defensive line guys. I know I've harped yep. on it a good bit this show. I know Jalen Carter's there. I know Stackhouse is there. I know Zion Logue is there. Outside of that. I'm looking down this list, guys. Bill Norton hasn't showed me much. Warren Brinson hasn't showed me a ton. He did his freshman year. He didn't play really much last year. Uh, Tremel Walter, I know he's going to probably be the starting defensive end, but his when I saw him in there, he wasn't great. You're going to have to contribute uh, some. You're going to have to get some freshmen to contribute. I don't know if it's Michael Williams. I don't know if it's Marvin Jones. I don't know if it's Bear Alexander. I don't know if it's Christian Miller. You're going to have to get one of those guys to step up. So that, that's my position. The position I'm not worried about, hmm, I'd probably have to go, I'd probably have to go with tight end and get the easy answer out of this because Darnell and Brock being out for the spring, yes, it's it's terrible, but at the same time, you've you've got other tight ends. You've got Oscar, you know, so you've got you've got tight ends that can work in that role. Be interesting to see if there's like a another tight end out of Seether or um oh I'm forgetting his name. You got Seether, and then you got one more other tight end. Goody. Yeah, yeah go see if yeah. one of those guys, because uh, I don't, I don't know if if both of those guys don't produce this spring, if both of them uh, don't look around, because you're you do have some scholarship issues. So yeah. that'll be another one to look at to see. Hey guys, it's your chance to shine. Brock and Darnell are down. We need a second tight end. Who's going to step up and be that guy? It's kind of the show me season for those two guys as well. We'll wrap it up with a little bit of recruiting. Uh, I will normally would leave this to the guys on what, what nights their show Tuesday, Monday night. I don't even I don't watch know. Moves. Guys, probably because of yeah. Trent, Trent being oh. lazy. He, he, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. You know, I don't is. even watch those guys. Uh, but no, seriously, guy, go check out rumors versus facts this Monday night, guys, eight 15. Uh, but we will talk a little bit about Arch Manning, Ben's favorite prospects since before prospects were invented. I mean, this is, this is Ben's guy. This is uh, my guy. Apparently, this is his that, guy. That's a bull take, Arch Manning. Well, what, yeah. a, what a guy to latch, latch on. <laughs> and um. and you, you have. And you've decided well, to do just that. So tell us a little bit about your favorite Arch Manning. 
Yeah, my, my favorite Arch Manning. I don't know if it's Arch or Archie. I don't know which one was my favorite prospect. I think I the other know. one, I think I was born uh, like 100 years after he was in college or however long. Yeah. Um, so with Arch, I, I heard his visit went phenomenal this weekend. And I really believe now at this point it's going to be Georgia or Texas. Um, depending on who you talk to, it's Georgia, Texas, Georgia, Bama. I think it's down to Georgia and Texas, really. Uh, Bama, there's a quarterback that decommitted, which I don't think this was talked about much, from AM named Eli uh, Holstein, who's now it's yeah. looking like he's going to end up at Alabama, is the favorite there right now. So it's looking like Bama's folding out. Ole Miss seems like they're starting to recruit other quarterbacks really hard. So it's looking like it's going to be Georgia or Texas, and those are the two schools he has planned visits to. So I think this is one that could wrap up by May or June. And me and Blaine Gilmer, who if you subscribe over to UGA Sports and check out The Vault, he has a really good post you probably want to see on that. Uh, both think that Georgia's in phenomenal shape for him right now. And pulling him could be huge because I think that can help you get a lot of elite receivers to come in. It would be a boost to their chances there, as well as some of the running backs, especially you look at guys like Jalen Hale and Ruben Owens and guys like that. There was an article, Jason, it was done by another organization, I think it was uh, Stuart Mandel, put out, but they didn't put out the name and said that there is a college prospect that is worth, I think, an $8 million NIL deal. The only prospect I can think of, <laughs> the obvious. Literally one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 like without saying it, he said it, right? It, yeah. It's Arch Manning. Um, $8 million, though, seems like a hell of a lot of money especially for a guy that could just walk out the door on you like uh Quinn Ewers did up at Ohio State you know I mean it seems a little weird to me uh but it I'm gonna assume and I we've said what assuming does but I'm assuming that's about Arch Manning that article was and I didn't read the article but I got the gist of it eight million dollars to a prospect seems like a lot of money in this day and age but we're talking about a Manning here right yeah, well, that's the thing. You're not just getting Arch Manning; you're getting the Manning family. That's why he's eight million dollars. You get Coop. You, you know, you start with Cooper, who somehow Cooper has an Uber Eats commercial. Yeah, so Cooper. You, Cooper's all over. Cooper's yeah, making and and, and, all, and all three Mannings are in the Caesar Sports. But I don't know if in Georgia, I, I, you probably don't see them. But yeah, thanks. Up, yeah, up in this region, have- where in Virginia, yeah. uh, sports betting's legal, they have a lot. You get all the Caesar Sportsbook commercials, and and so uh, Cooper's in those too. So. But so then at that point, you get Eli, you get Peyton, you got the whole family. And so having the access to the family to be able to sell whatever products you want, that's $8 million in a nutshell. It's more than just Arch Manning. It's the keys to the bigger picture, not to mention how, how great or you know SEC football is. I mean, I say that because Texas is coming too. So it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big machine. It's a... Uh, uh, you know, capitalism at its finest, uh, you know, as you would say. So, uh, you know, all power to them. And, and, and that's why that's really why, you know, a guy like Arch Manning's going to command so much money in the NIL game. And, you know, it's not just him. It's the whole family. Is uh, is Peyton and Eli doing the Monday night football thing again next year? Do we know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they renewed it. Yeah. yeah the so, I mean, so, yeah, they're going to be talking. I mean, if, Let's say hypothetically, right? I mean, obviously, Arch is going to be a starting quarterback at some college at some point. And they're still doing the show. That alone, talking about him on that, be like, hey, you, you catch, uh, you know, little nephew's game? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, threw for four touchdowns. That alone on Monday Night Football, that's that's pretty big. You know, it's, it's just you start getting into this, and we saw it a little bit, and I just don't want Georgia to go down the same route. We saw it with – Jacob Eason, Jake from Justin Fields, where you just recruit the best guy at the position and they bring them all in and then you're left with one. But this, I feel like this is just different. If it was, if it was anybody other than a Manning, like the Mannings have such a nice track record behind their name, right? They're, they're the only Manning fan. I mean, there's, I don't know of any other family that's as powerful as them in the NFL or in, or in college football for that matter. It's just, I'm curious to see like, I don't know if Arch Manning's worth this. Is it worth potentially losing Brock Vandergriff? And and I'll answer you right now and say yes. No matter what, right? No matter what. No. If, if, he's, were, if he's the best quarterback, yes. Yeah, like that, that's what it's about. Yeah. Ball, so I mean, like that's like. But it, it, what, it, what is he's a freshman? But you have this Brock Vandergriff that's ready to be a junior, but you're bringing Arch in. 
Like suppose Arch is better. So if Arch is better, you play Arch. If Brock is better, you play Brock. And if one of them wants to leave, they leave. You play the best that's, quarterback. That's what I've been trying. I remember didn't we have this argument over the summer about like you Probably. were talking about why not getting Arch? You would understand it. Like, are you going to well, wait for Dylan Rayola? I'd be willing to bet this, and I I would say that either Arch or Dylan Rayola, Georgia will land at least one of them. I know Rayola is the next class. I'd be willing to bet heavy money if if I had to that they get one of the if, two. Well, of if them. you had money, yes. I do, but you know okay. it's. Hey, I think I think Roddy pays me as a contractor on here. He's like, eh, I don't want to have to pay for his crap. So, <laughs> so from here, no, I don't make that much money. But other places, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. There we go. Uh, but uh, that's my thing. But you guys bring it back down to reality. I'm just playing devil's advocate on it. That's all. That's it. You lose. Quarterback after quarterback, Gunnar Stockton, Brock Vandergriff both leave sets and Bennett's after this year. You're left with uh, Carson Beck and Arch Manning in your quarterback room. You're a little little light. So I'm saying. Well, yeah, but, I mean, when you go back to the Fromm Fields thing, I mean, you didn't expect Fromm to leave, especially after his junior year. You really didn't expect him to leave. I mean, true. I thought it was a pretty bad decision on his part. Um, and then, then that's kind of where you end up with Stetson Bennett. But that said, uh, you know, a guy like – uh, sometimes you miss on guys. I mean, Carson Beck hasn't proved to be a starting quarterback yet. Um, you know, not not every quarterback pans out. What you want to do is you want to ho- hopefully. Gr- they haven't. And, and this is going to sound weird in a way because you know Kirby took over in sixteen. He got Jacob Eason, and then he got Jake Fromm, then he got Justin Fields. You know, in a weird way, the middle guy being the one to be the starter kind of put this weird thing in motion where Easton leaves and then Fields leaves. The more you recruit, the more you add to the room, the guys who leave won't matter because you'll still have guys in the room to be able to – I still think it's too early in the process. The fact they got a national championship despite the quarterback (laughs) is crazy. Yeah, with with the walk-on that came on when all these guys were here. That that is actually like phenomenal if you think about it. They still got a national (laughs) title despite all that. But the more and more that this this train keeps rolling, especially in recruiting, where they are getting good quarterbacks to add to the room, you talk about Brock, you talk about Gunner. Now you're talking about Arch Manning, possibly adding him. But even if you don't get him, you're probably still going to get a decent quarterback. Rayola next year. I, I just think that like down the road, it's not going to matter when guys leave as much as it did with with uh, you know when Eason and and Fields ended up leaving uh, so shortly into their tenures. Yeah, I I can I can be. Uh... What's the word? You guys can bring me to that side. Um, I can I can play ball on that side. Also, also, Paul, this this is the thing. When you look at like Brock Vandergrift, for example, I think of Gunner Beck and Brock. I think Brock's the most talented. The issue is the offense he came from at a high school. It's a huge transition, like compared to what Beck and the others came from, because he was running all of like ten plays, and I know yeah. that that's been his main struggle was the yeah. playbook was getting accustomed to the playbook. He has all the talent to make the throws and he's the most athletic and he has the strongest arm. Like he has everything. It's just more of the playbook and the mental. If he gets that down, like, I mean, I really think it would be hard to keep him off the field this year, but that's, that's the big thing that's hard to tell. Cause you look at a guy on film and be like, Oh, this guy's all world. But the mental thing, you just don't know because high school, it's way less. So his transition has been greater. Plus the competition he faced wasn't the greatest. So that's a huge step up. So that's the thing with him and with the Mannings, though, look at the knowledge he has from his uncles and his grandfather who's named after like he it's going to be an easier transition for him. So that's why I don't think it's going to be like Arch Manning sets up. We have to play Arch Manning. Kirby's made some to the fans with the whole fields thing. He's not scared to play a guy that the fans don't want. Stetson. He always does that. It seems Stetson's like. the best example of that. Yeah, so I don't think that's the worry. I think – and also, if Brock Vandergriff looks at Arch Manning without him ever even stepping foot on campus saying, oh, he's committed, I'm leaving, or Gunner, or they do that, that says a lot about them in a way that they're like, okay, I'm looking at a high school kid and I'm dipping before they even get on campus. That, that says a lot too. Um, I don't think they'll do that, but they're going to compete, and I think Kirby's going to play who he thinks is the best quarterback. I get that. I get that. And and let's wrap up with this. But you're if you are going to pay a kid eight million dollars, you're expecting him to be your starting quarterback. I don't think Arch is going to get eight million. Uh, okay, I think okay. The family's worth hundreds of millions. Eight, eight, think, over, eight over three years, made not eight and like. Sure, I think it's right, the yeah. going to go to Tennessee. Yeah, no. 
I think like, the kid's going to go to Tennessee. You're telling me a top five recruit who's a quarterback is going to Tennessee and there's not something there? I'm just saying. You're okay, not well, telling me there's something but there's, there's going to, What I'm saying is there's going to be money, uh, probably millions of dollars over a period of the three years that Arch Manning is at college. He's going to get thrown money that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're expecting yeah, sure. you're expect like it's a different now that you've brought in NIL. That's all I'm getting at here is now that you brought in NIL, it's a different ball game. Like it's you're expecting this guy. That's like Ben. You, you're playing for a, a rec league softball team, right? And you guys just go out there and drink beer and you hang out on Wednesday nights. But now one of your buddies has decided to bring in former Maryland pitcher and first baseman Joe Jominson who just hits home runs every time he gets up to bat. But you have to pay him. But then you expect to stay at first base, Ben, but you don't get paid. You're just out there drinking beer. This guy's going to take your job. You're 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 paying this guy now. I know that, but look at what happened with Quinn Ewers. Look what happened with him at yeah. Ohio State. He went yeah, but he also skipped his senior year of high school. Like it's a little Yeah, different. but he was still like if you looked at the rankings and how he was billed as talented as Arch, he goes up there and CJ Stroud's like, "No, you're not taking my job." And then he dips. Right Co- coaches don't. Coaches don't have the uh, time. You know, they, they don't really have the. What's the best way to put it? The you could be you could, in theory, have the greatest job security, but you don't because of how quickly things can change. I think Ed Orgeron's a great example. You don't have the time and the security to make mm-hmm. decisions on personnel based on, you know, NIL deals and how much money you, one player is getting. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you sure? Because those guys are. Oh, boosters. he's right. That's a good t- thing. But it's Coach O got fired within two years after a championship. Yeah, but but these guys are boosters that pay millions of dollars to to make your well, well, you know, it, it, in theory, the boosters, the boosters aren't supposed about- to be a part of the NIL system now. <laughs> okay, Paul, all, right. So. all right, Paul. Yeah, I think yeah, the boosters care most about the winning and the product <laughs> that they're paying for, yeah. not just oh, I dole out money to this kid. If he sucks, but Georgia still wins, that's what they're most satisfied with. You know, so Fair I don't enough. think that that's I don't think the boosters are going to come in and say, I'm paying this kid two million. You have to play him, Kirby. I don't think that's what's happening. Really? It goes, it goes back to no. Kirby playing Stetson Bennett. I mean, the everybody throughout. I shouldn't say everybody, but there was a vocal portion of this fan base screaming for JT Daniels when he was cleared to step back in and be the oh, starter. 85 percent. Yeah. I mean, JT it, got more NIL money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stetson didn't get really – he had the honor <laughs> reserve deal, and that might have been it, honestly, until they won the championship. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Daniels did get more. But I, but this is – I don't know. This just feels different to me. It feels like Arch is going to get a lot more than the next guy. That's well, wherever he goes, the local yeah. people are going to pay him, like, FU money. He, yeah. he might be $10 million off so, NIL. Like, there's going to be, like, the Nike companies and stuff like that may come for him. That's what I'm saying, but it does, and that's what I'm getting at. Is if you're a guy like Gunner or Brock, you know this guy's going to eventually play. Like you can't, you can't show him on the sidelines with the camera, and he's making ten million Nike. Let's say Brock does take the next step, and this year or next year falls out. He has, he can go to the NFL, and Arch only sits one year. That could happen, and I think if Georgia fans got what they want. And there's no disrespect to Gunner, but I'm just going to use Brock because, as an example for the one-year gap. Like you look at Clemson and some of these schools, how they had Trevor Lawrence the junior, DJ was a freshman. That's really ideal what you want. So you can sit behind the NFL quarterback for a year, yeah, that's right? That's what I've been saying. So yeah. let's say Brock was great as a junior and Arch was a freshman. I think that could set like – and then the 2025 quarterback and so on. That can set like Georgia up where, okay, we got our quarterback – or star freshman, he learns for a year, then he's the guy. Like that would be perfect because now it seems like every year with Georgia, it's like, oh, is it Stetson? It's gonna move on to this. Eventually, Georgia has to get into that, so they have like they can feel safe about who they're going with. For the instead, future. instead, we're talking about all these five stars, and it's Stetson, Fleming, Bennett, the fourth that will be the starting quarterback at Georgia. And guys, we'll wrap that up with this portion of the UGA Sports Call-In Show. We didn't have anybody call in, so I don't know what we're going to call this show if you guys don't call in. We appreciate the comments rolling in, guys, and you guys coming to watch us late. Uh, We will be on every Sunday uh, around 8 o'clock from here until uh, I don't know when. Uh, It kind of dies down at some point in May, uh, so we'll be on for a little while talking to you guys just about random stuff. Next week, we'll maybe bring up more March Madness for you, and we'll see about Georgia basketball. Maybe there will be some off, uh, assistant coaches hired for Georgia basketball. Maybe one of them might be a Hayes. I don't know. 
Don't maybe Dan McDonald. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. You never know. <laughs> but guys, pleasure working with Jason Button, Ben Bachman. Uh, first time getting all three of us on the screen together. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. This will also be on the podcast segment of UJSports.com. And I'll even make it a content item over on the site if you missed some of the show and want to go back and see my face or Ben's, really. And we know he's the star of the show. Uh, so, guys. Oh, damn. For- With my fake ID. <laughs> yeah. what, is that a Stafford shirt you got on? Oh, yes. He's elite. Oh, <laughs> there you go. So, I did rep Georgia on the show today. <laughs> He's elite. His uh, his AT and T commercial is pretty funny. Uh, it is. I enjoy it's that. Not yeah. Bad. If, if yeah. I was a Detroit fan, I'd be like, <sighs> Yeah, I'd be pretty. I'd be pretty sad. If I was a yeah, dad, I would be angry. I would, I would reject bad. going there. I mean, honestly. think about if you're Jared Goff. Like, yeah. if you were number one pick in Detroit, call would you say, uh, No, you know, I have a bad history up there. But I'm not gonna. Go. <laughs> I have a bad history. When was the last I, time I would you came it. up there? Uh, I've never been, but it's just I've had a really rough history with Detroit. Like, I, you know, cold weather. Their fans are already sending me death threats, already yeah. knowing what's going to end up happening. Yeah, right. I'm passing. <laughs> well, we're going to pass on this show, guys. We appreciate you so much for joining us. I'm Paul Meharry, Jason Butt, Ben Bachman, UJ Sports Collins Show every Sunday at 8 o'clock. Please join us. If you liked it, hit the thumbs up button, comment, like it. Uh, what else? Yeah, do all that stuff, guys. We appreciate it.